Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. First off, you got to... I had to really gather myself not to start laughing right as we go live because I look across at Brian running the board, our producer, and he's he's like lip syncing the introduction from Brian Thomas. It was it. I had almost started laughing right as he pointed to me. Listen, guys, we last week we spent some time talking about the impact of of, of divorce and other things going on within our culture. And I don't want to spend near as much time this week as we did last on it, but I certainly want to start with it because I think to understand, this is just my feeling, folks, I I think that when we're looking around going, holy smokes, there's a lot of anxiety. If we don't pause to say what's driving it, I don't think we can actually fix it. So it feels like everybody's arguing with the results rather than how it is that we've got here. And so with that, Brian, will you do me a favor and Play that spot. Mike Hewitt here. Have we changed since COVID provided blue state governors with an excuse to embrace authoritarianism? Hey, at least their insane COVID policies expose the fringe left dogma baked into the curriculum of many public schools, as well as the incompetence of much of our federal bureaucracy and the hypocrisy of many elected officials. But how's all that working out for the people? Lost education for millions of children stuck in blue states? How about families that used to gather often and now rarely speak? Sky-high inflation and interest rates, an economy teetering on the brink of epic disaster, every single bit of it was predicted in advance. Many good people are filled with anxiety and anger. It's incredible. Democrat politicians unabashedly expect you to vote for them again. But in fairness, there are still a few voters running around with masks on their face and a Biden sticker on their car. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll like it. Let, let me go to you. What's your opinion of that? I ask, I, by the way, I'm picking on you just because you're the younger of the bunch of us. What's your take on that, Ludwig? I think it's true. That, uh, Post-COVID, it, there's been a lot of different feelings and changes in culture. Huge. Gigantic. Like things that we may never get back. Oh, I don't know that we will. We've we've changed. No, And that doesn't mean, folks, I'm not predicting gloom and doom. But we have absolutely changed, and we need to pause and say, are these changes what we want? So change is not always a bad thing, but we at least need to recognize we're not the same people that went into the COVID drama. At least that's my opinion. Unfortunately, I thought it would change the other way where being isolated for so long, we became more less reliant on social media and communication through technology and more in person, and that happened maybe for a week and then yeah. went back to the other way worse. I, I got to tell you, it, it, I'll tell you a real short personal story. So one of the made the, one of the first major holidays, I think it was July 4th of the COVID era. And keeping in mind, you and Miles both know I'm really immersed in my daughter's son-in-law's grandkids. That, that's my world. And so we're in the middle of the, we're in the early stages of COVID lockdown 
Get your mask. Get your. We're going to get an injection someday. Is terrible. And I'm sitting out in the backyard with my wife at a time when normally we would have had wall-to-wall grandbabies up for a major holiday, and it's just my wife and I. And I got to tell you, folks, it was overwhelming. And all of a sudden, we're probably about 40 minutes into just sitting in the backyard in outside lawn chairs thinking, holy smokes, what is this? Keeping in mind, folks, I get that we still pound the drums over COVID and how, what a terrible pandemic. Folks, I've in my life, I'm 62. That was the seventh pandemic. So I look at it through that prism. I'm sorry, but I do. At any rate, all of a sudden, I look up in my oldest daughter and her husband and their son broke the law, defied Comrade Whitmer, and showed up. I got to tell you, honestly, I teared up. I'm just being honest with you. I was emotionally moved that they showed up. And that's something I've never felt in my life for a major holiday, that we'd be driven to that point. And I tell you that story because those changes, Ludwig, you watching your mother-in-law go through this, go through, tell it, will you briefly tell that? Yeah, so she was dying, uh, and there was about maybe nine inches of a window open, and the only people allowed in the room at the time were her husband and my wife. Everybody else had a try to say goodbye within this nine inches of a window. So you're outside the building looking yeah. through a window. Yeah, and they put her on the bottom floor when she was dying that day so that everybody could say goodbye through this nine inches of window. And at one point, literally, there was a snowstorm that night. So right. her sisters were sitting in lawn chairs covered in the snow, feet from the window as she's passing away. I got to tell you, and as long as we've been doing the show, watching that, somebody filmed it. Somebody put it on a camera yeah. and watched it. It's probably the only time listeners have ever actually heard me angry. I was over the top angry over watching that scene. So, Miles Bauer, what's your take on what we're talking about so far? Well, I think I said this a year or so back. The real tragedy about all the lockdowns is that at first I didn't mind it, but once the Wicked Witch of the North pulled her garbage and the governor down here pulled his garbage. So that's Governor Whitless and Governor Breakfast? Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I Go mean, ahead. You know, when they were locking down and Governor Breakfast goes to Wisconsin to get in his boat and drive around while we were all locked down. Here. Right. Oh, yeah. Same and same I, thing. And I, same I, thing. I, uh, I believe the Wicked Witch of the North, once she locked down uh, the Whitmer Correctional Facility, didn't she fly down and see Dottie down in Florida? She did. Now, folks, just for clarification, you folks everywhere else, Whitmer is the governor of Michigan. Dottie's the the former Blue Cross Blue Shield big money guy living in Florida because he wants to avoid the taxes that the screwballs in southeastern Michigan have laid on the state, just calling it like it is. And by the way, she's the same screwball nutcase that had her husband up in an area that she specifically said folks were not to go to. And he's up there at the marina saying, will you put my boat in the water? My my wife is the governor. Hey, before we get off this subject, I, I think you guys give Whitmer way too much credit, by the way. Oh, we sure do. Way too much as a leader. Because she was not a leader in this thing. I, I agree with that. If you watch Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, and even Indiana, every one of them made the moves. And then Michigan was the last. 
she followed all the states around us. When when you say made the moves to lock down, to or? lock down, and all these things were happening, and then she'd be the last one in this region to do it. We've all given her credit as if she was the leader in making these moves. No, she was actually the follower by but far. She, but she doubled down on all the policies. Listen, Illinois folks, was worse. I, I couldn't buy. Miles, could you buy garden seeds in Illinois? We couldn't I, buy flags. I, I could, yeah. Flags and garden seeds and a whole list of nonsensical, goofy stuff by left or right measure, folks, were off the list. And I got to tell you, everybody, the reason I'm revisiting this topic, that's important. So we don't get too lost in why, because why is important. Okay, I'm revisiting it because when I look at the right and I see what I affectionately refer to as the angry mob, they're absolutely hair is on fire. Uh, But Miles, you and I actually agree on this. They're taking down the Republican Party. They're pushing back. You'd say throwing bowling balls. You're right. And let me tell you what else, folks. I don't agree with their process, but I certainly passionately understand why they're doing it. That we've gotten to a point in this system where we don't believe anything the government says. That's a right. dangerous place to put an American citizen or citizenry in. Um, that's how I see it. We're down to seconds, Miles, before break. Final comment? Yeah, you know, the other scary thing about not believing in government is that government's coming after our First Amendment rights, Mark. And our gun rights, which tops the first on purpose. Folks, we'll be right back. So this is, I got to get back to the why part, folks. When I look at what's going on on the right, I got to pause and go, okay, I'm a process-driven policy monkey. I get it. So I push back a little bit until I pause and go, but why? But why? And I look at them them discovering the screwball, not leftist, fringe left extremist nut stuff being injected into the curriculum of their children. And and COVID, to your point, Miles Bauer, in our text in preparing for the show, all that stuff was revealed by COVID. So you got to go pause and go. Well, wait a minute. This is maybe this is a good thing. What do you right. say, Miles Bauer? Oh yeah, no, I mean it. It was great. Finally, it was right in the parents' face. Some of the garbage agenda that was getting shoveled on to our kids, folks. They actually literally believe that they're raising the international child of the future, but they're talking about your kids. They believe that. They've said it. I don't have to speculate. They've said it. They're actually raising the international child of the future. And by the way, that's a globalist. And so everything that they've got baked into the curriculum, you think your child's learning math, and they've got politics inject. How do you, Miles, you're a mathematician. How do you inject politics into math, Miles Bauer? Oh, yeah. I mean, they came out in California and said, math is racist. Right. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So because you're a mathematician by education and life experience, does that make you a racist? Apparently. (laughs) Folks, you kind of follow the stuff down the rat hole, but then you go, once you're in there, you're going, why did I follow that down the rat hole? Well, their biggest miscalculation was they attacked the side of, 
the country that believes in the Constitution and believes that when the Constitution says foreign well, and domestic, yep. to take them both out. But they see you as the enemy. <laughs> I know this. Yeah, but Ned, but they, Ned, they the see them as the enemy to our government that's a self-governance of the people. Say that, Miles. Lud, the Constitution embodies systemic racism. They believe that. They yep. think the Constitution yep. itself is racist. That's great, but you just attacked half the country who doesn't believe that, acknowledges it in the Constitution that nowhere states that, right? and states deliberately, if you have a tyrannical government, take it out and restart over. Well, now you're talking about the Declaration of Independence. Constitution, we can restart the government. Well, we are. Yes. I'm just telling you. And by the way, since we're talking about the, the angry mob on the right, one of the things that, Miles, you touched on right before airtime, I think it was you, talking about the left. They've got a basket full of problems themselves. Is that true, Miles Bauer? Yeah, I was listening to Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House. Right? What did he say? And, and he was saying that as we witnessed what happened in Italy and as we witnessed what happened in Argentina a couple days ago, the far left is about to fall off the cliff, and they're in panic mode because they see it coming. But, Miles, if you go back to my point last week, the world, the Western world, as Mike had pointed out, is tired of this. The people are tired of the government suppressing us. The, the one thing I love about the left, seriously, and it's very predictable, you can write it down in advance. In fact, we talked about this on the show in advance. They Always, not like most of the time or sometimes, they 100% of the time overreach. You look through history, there is no examples in history where the left did not overreach. Am I wrong, Miles Bauer? No, 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 you're right. I mean, which is why, and I forgot who, who said this, but if you look throughout history, every time governments go to the left, they always end up falling apart. Always. They have never succeeded. Ask the Soviet Union. But then the question is, because Mike, you've mentioned this many times, they'll test things. They know they can't get it, so they'll put it on the floor. They'll get their 4 to 10% votes, and then they'll keep going until they finally get it. Does the overreach today end up becoming the starting point for the next generation uh, or becomes uh, the norm? I think that's accurate, and, and it's worse than that. And part of the frustration with the angry mob, and I say that respectfully, Part of the frustration with the angry mob of their own representation is exactly the point you're raising, maybe by accident. But what happens is that the right that we've elected to represent us sit down and negotiate with the representation of the left. And a, a policy wonk like me says, well, all right, that's kind of ugly, but it's what it's supposed to happen. The problem with is that our elected representation from the right don't necessarily, some of them do, but most of them might not, get the simple fact that when you negotiate with somebody from the left, you think you've arrived at a deal, you handshake, you kiss the paper, you're a done deal, and the second you're done, they start again. Mm -hmm. Their campaign begins again. Automatically, you can guarantee it, not sometimes, not once in a while, 100% of the time, when they arrive at a deal, they immediately say, life is a gray area. Let's redefine what we just agreed to in court while we advance the football on the campaign trail again. While the people on the right, 
very naively, meaning I'm not excoriating these representatives. I think a lot of them are very naive and socially ignorant, to be frank with you. But they walk away thinking, hey, guys, look what we got done for you. Not seeming to realize that their panties were pulled down the second the the ink was dry. Miles, again, am I overstating it? No, but I mean, think think about it. When when the founders were putting the, this place together, they wanted a confrontational government because right. they figured if we were battling e- each other, that's a hell of a lot better than, you know, having some dic- dictator. Right, and and the other side of it, by the way, just like the three of us have found over the years together on the show, when we debate these issues, and sometimes listeners will probably go, "Wow, they don't agree on that." But when we're all said and done, usually the best of the ideas is what floats to the top because we have that debate. And that's what that's what makes the system, I call it a hybrid because our founders did. That's what makes yeah. our hybrid form of government such, a, such an excellent one. But what but drives... That, but, but I mean, think about it. That is why the left wants to shut us up. Exactly right. They don't want a debate. They, no, they don't want... They don't want the arena of ideas to let the no. best ideas surface. They only got one set of ideas. Whatever their ideas are, and no matter what they're forced to agree on, they are going to keep advancing those ideas. Well, one side wants critical thinking, the other side wants dependence. Now we're watching legal weaponization. I got legal weapons and we're using the law. We've weaponized law. They have folks think about that. They're weaponizing law. Think about that for a minute. That's the one area of the United States that I think that at least when Miles, when you and I were young, I think everybody back then did not see law as partisan. And now right. it's being used as a baseball bat. Was it still well, no, classist? And, uh, and, and, and think about it. And maybe my uh, Trumper is showing here. No. But, but now, now they want to indict Trump to uh, try to get him out of the election rather than debate him? Yeah, they're trying what to get. What is that about? They're trying to remove his name from the ballot in in a number of states, all all deep blue states. And the irony to, to that is, is that it goes miles to your point. Their action of doing that documents what we're three talking about right now. Um, I, and by the way, folks, just let's be fair and intellectually honest. I am not a Biden fan, but it never occurred to me. I can lie detectors test stuff here. It never occurred to me to try to get his name off the ballot, because I think that's a choice of the folks. I think that's what a popular vote is about, knowing, by the way, that I am also a passionate believer in the electoral college process. But I, I listen, I, I think for us to argue over all the details of what is without going through these extrapolations is a nightmare. We've got to go to a break in a minute, but I want to give you folks a heads up. When we come back, I want to touch on the JFK assassination 60-year anniversary this week. But my reason for bringing it up when we come back is that the media is now saying, is that when people started distrusting their argument, argument, their government? The answer is no. That's not when it started. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski, and we are broadcasting from our flagship station, WHTC Holland, Michigan, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM, and we are blessed with being aired by a number of wonderful affiliates across a number of states and listened to by a bunch of people. Listen, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope your family times was wonderful. Um, we, we genuinely heartfelt appreciate you listening. And with that, gentlemen, let's jump back into this topic. So I got to ask the question before we do the deep dive. Uh, I'll go Ludwig because you're the youngster in the family. Uh, JFK assassination, was it a lone shooter or was there a conspiracy? Well, I wouldn't call it conspiracy. Oh, what's the word? The CIA killed him. And that's what you believe? That's not a conspiracy, but it's the truth. So that's what you believe is the truth? Yeah, and I think there's multiple things that document it through the idea that Lee Harvey Oswald could have made that shot at that specific angle. He shot from the front of the head, not the back of the head. The grassy knoll, the people have said they've seen him there. There's multiple eyewitnesses that said they saw another shooter and jump over the wall into the parking lot. I've been there to the book depository. Yeah. I've seen the whole scenario. The uncovered limousine that day, there's too many things that is not coincidental. So the doctors that were involved in the ER have been interviewed, the ones that are still alive, over the course of the last period of time, weeks, months. And when they look at the autopsy reports, they're thinking that's not the same thing that we saw in the ER, meaning they believe that the difference, the time between the body leaving the emergency room passed away and going through an autopsy that things have been done to that body to change it so that the autopsy report reported differently than what the doctors in the ER believe that they witnessed. And they were interviewed separately and there other than minor differences in detail, uh, their, their opinions were 100% consistent um, with each other. So yeah. I, I find that fascinating. Miles, do you think it was a, uh, a lone gunman or more people involved? No, I think there were probably some rogue folks at the CIA. Do you think Lee Harvey Oswald had anything to do with it at all then? Uh, no, I think he had something to do with it. Miles, do you think he had something to do with it, or was he just— Yeah. A, yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I believe he was. He was uh, a, We know he was a CIA paid informant. That part they He was know. a Russian citizen. Uh, he never gave up his citizenship here. And they he, did. And he had been on payroll for CIA. We know that. Yeah, I, he, I Listen, I, I'm— I think he was a patsy put in place there— to be found. Yeah, I, I listen. I maybe I'm more wet than both of you. First off, I agree with both of you that the CIA drove it, but I believe they did it at the orders of LBJ. I absolutely, abso I absolutely believe this is Lyndon Baines Johnson. But listen, folks, the reason I'm bringing all this stuff up, aside from the anniversary of it, a sad moment in the state of our nation. But I'm watching the media. We're saying they're saying just like I indicated right before we went to break. <laughs> Was the government cover up the beginning of the separation between citizens and their government? Is that what fomented distrust? And I say, uh-uh, not so much. Did everybody forget the Civil War? They weren't having a war with their brother that went to the other side. They were having a war with a government that they thought went too far. And, and, and by the way, I'm not off on the slavery thing, so don't take it there. If you start reading the diaries of the soldiers that volunteered, it had nothing to do with slavery. Not like a little bit or kind of, sort of. If you read the diaries of the men that fought the war on either side of the divide, it had nothing to do with that. 
I know what they teach. I get it, and I'm not even pushing back on it. I'm saying that's not why the average person joined the conflict. And then you had the then you had the presidential election of 1876, where the House of Representatives had to decide who the president was by the Electoral College. And I'm going by memory, but I think it was one Electoral College different. Think about how close we were. Both sides absolutely passionately and believed that the other side cheated. Think about that for a minute. I tell you all that because we're not at some path off the road that we've never been at. We went through a civil war. Everybody thought that the presidential election of 1876 was going to be a civil war. That's what they thought at the time. Get on the internet, folks. Go. You can't. You could even go to Google because they can't hide the truth. If you go there and look at what articles were being written in the major publications of the Times, that's what they thought, left and right. That's what they thought. I'm only telling you that for perspective of where we're at in history. Do you think there was as much distrust in the government then yes. as there is now? Yes. They were they were shooting each other. I don't know if how I much, that. How much distrust is there if they're shooting each other? That's not Ludwig. distrusting government. You're leaving the government. You left it, and now they're trying to bring you back. But they didn't leave you because you loved them and just decided to go away. They left because they didn't trust you anymore as a government. Uh, no, you, it's different than this hiding stuff. Uh, you need to do some research. No, I think it, I think I'm right in this. Uh, that I, but you're not. Telling, telling me <laughs> I can't. So let's go to the abortion issue. Yep. Michigan. We have it up until nine months, whatever. Just say we have it until nine months. And the federal government says, you can't do that. You have to do this. And Michigan says, well, we're seceding. That's not distrust in the federal government. We're going to secede. You think it's all over one issue. You think it was over slavery, and it just wasn't. I didn't say it was over slavery. You just tried to pin it on one issue. Because to make it's it, the easiest to thing make, for people in the to, listening to us to comprehend. If we go down to every issue, they're going to turn us off. I think the people listening to us are really smart people. So I don't know that I need to try to reduce Smart it or not, but I'd, I would stop listening to 15 different issues. Okay. So I'm trying to condition if, the one. Then you got to say, folks, you don't get it if, if it's multitude of issues. And I think there was one issue during the Civil War that drove, forgive what the politicians were saying in the media. This was a volunteer, largely a volunteer military on yeah. both sides. Yes, absolutely. For you to raise your hand and say, yes. I'm going to go with Sam and George and join the conflict. The overwhelming majority of the folks in the South or the North did not own anybody. No, and, absolutely. And, and so to sit down and say all these people joined and went out and 700,000 of them ended up dead was over slavery. It's nonsensical. It's because they didn't like what their government was becoming. And I'll go you, yeah, a, step, with that. Yes. I'll go you a step further. If you look at how the government is referred to, in literature pre-Civil War, it was plural. It was these United States. Mm-hmm. Now after, it is the United States because it's the, the assumption now is that there is a lock-tight central government, and if you don't like it, too bad. That's been prosecuted. You're out. Which, yeah, is it's true. It is true. The only state that had in their statehood has secession actually written it is Texas. And nobody recognizes it, nope. including Texas. Yep. Yeah, but, uh, Lud, given that you're the economics guy, don't you think there was an economic component to the Civil War? Oh, yeah. That the, the South was based yeah. in an agrarian economy and the North was based on heavy in industry? Yeah, so two different the, economic the, the, areas. The South needed cheap labor they did to and, stay alive 
<coughs> Interestingly, if you look at the economics leading up to the 1837 bankruptcy of the United States flatly, and you got a guy like the first Democrat president, Jackson, the first popular vote Democrat president, Jackson, slavery had all but petered out. And he inflamed the South economically, and the only way to power what he created was via slavery. And by the way, if the North leading up to the Civil War would have been a lot less proprietary with technology, we would have been able to avoid the Civil War because slavery in terms of a, of a mechanized function, a way to produce things, use myself as an example, I can't do what a machine can do. Yeah. No human could. So we didn't share the technology, and they tariffed the bejeebers out of the southern states. What, what and I guess was, what that caused? A civil war. What I say about mistrust versus overreach. I think that war was over overreach, not as much distrust. Uh, because I, you have the new states trying to come in, and they were being <laughs> told whether or not they could be a slave state. Therefore, you're already taking away their right, which means federal government now is a central government. You've got a taxation right now of over 50% of your income. I think we have major distrust today more than we and overreach. I think when I tell you that they are taxing you over 50% of your income, yeah. to say that that's not massive overreach I think we have both. and a form of slavery, folks, we've got to go to a break. We'll be right back. Ludwig, I got to pick on you one last brief moment before we go back to the snooze. That's because it's the last segment. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm always ready. Listen, you and I maybe see this through a different vantage. Miles, you got to guess. I think it's well over 50% of our incomes now are being taxed. Right. Is, is, do you think I'm fairly close with that? Oh, yeah. And folks, the people will go, oh, no, 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 it's not that. It's in Michigan, it's 6% sales tax. Then you look at the income, state income tax, then the federal income tax, and then you look at every single product that you buy has got tax built into it. FICA, core share, the folks, the list of taxes that are built into the products, products and services that you buy. I think it's way above 50%. I yeah. do. Yeah. We'll have to document that sometime again. We did it years ago on the show, and I can't remember, but here's my point. If I came to you and said, Ludwig, if you don't give half your wages to Brian, our producer, we're going we're gonna to incarcerate you and throw you in jail. I, to me, by the way, folks, to me, that's a form of slavery. It is. It is. We're forcing him to work to the benefit of somebody else against his will. Mm -hmm. By definition, I think that's slavery. Now, it upsets people. I think it's, <laughs> I don't think the debate has changed much at all since the Civil War if we're going to focus on slavery. Because if you want to work, understand, you're going to compensate somebody that doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not for not helping people that can't. Let me add that. I'm not saying let's not help folks. That's a way different. Oh, a choice. That's, That's a... way different than half of America voting to get the money out of the other half of America's pockets. 
Miles, correct me. Am I wrong on this topic? No, this is the whole reason, and I think we have talked about this in in the past, about paying off the uh, student loans. Right. So if you went to a trade school rather than a college, the plumbers and electricians and all those people have to pay for somebody to go to college? That just doesn't make sense. And and if you're the person that went to school and generated yourself a massive debt, and then you caused your family to be restricted financially so that you can pay it every single week and you paid it off. And then the guy beside you that said, I ain't paying you. He got his for free. Holy smokes, folks. We've our to me, our value system in the United States is very skewed. So I'm still waiting for the, you're going to pick on me. here. I ain't got there yet. I'll save it. Cause I, cause I agree with this. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not really sure where the picking on me is. Israel vows to continue its war against Hamas after truce. I read that, folks. I had to read that several times. I'm reading that, by the way, in fairness, from barons.com, but then I Googled their title and found a whole bunch of variants of almost the exact same title from prominent, prominent dot-coms and news sources. I'll read it again. Israel vows to continue its war against Hamas after truce. Now, clearly... The left that's in control of the major media are trying to cause an image to form in your head about how rotten and despicable Israel is. But they forgot part of it. The rest of the story. (laughs) I loved Paul Harvey. And now the rest of the story. The Israeli government, the Israeli army, and the security forces will continue the war to bring back all those kidnapped. That's the part that they forgot. And I tell you that way with that much passion in my voice, Miles, it goes to your position when you call for bowling balls. It's because the folks that are on the right that are angry, they read this stuff and they're not stupid people. And they're saying, if you can't tell the truth, get out of my face and shut up. Is that true? Uh, Well, I mean, so they have a first, First Amendment right to lie to me, but when they when they start picking what is disinformation and what is the truth, right? that's where it gets spooky. That's very... who Who gets to sit on the Jedi High Council and determine what is truth? So my, my concern is, and, and I, been, first of all, I'm sick of hearing about this war. To be honest, every time I turn on the news, it's Israel, Hamas war. There's more in the world going on than just this, especially in our country with all the things we have happening. But I do not like the idea of a truce. You ever watch a football game and at halftime the team's getting beat the crap out of They come back in the second half and win because they got time to regroup. Right. You just gave Hamas time to regroup. Right. Bad idea. But but Biden, Biden and I others, would listen to Biden if I was drowning on how to swim. Yeah, that'd probably be smart. And you definitely don't want to have him give you instructions on how to walk up a staircase. <laughs> no. He could tell me it's raining and I look down to make sure he wasn't peeing on my shoe. Like, there's no way I listen to that guy. And the fact that Israel's giving a ceasefire, I, I am shocked. I, I'm actually appalled. I think uh, I think they've been financially forced to. Yeah, again, the United States has implemented their, their uh, Israel, so do you fight want, your fight. Well, they're saying, do you want more, or you want more um, of the, the uh, what do they call it, the Iron Curtain? The Iron Dome. Iron Dome uh, missiles to defend yourselves. 
then you better pause and let and let them rebuild. What and and I don't know that the rest of that sentence was added on, but to your point, Lud, that's the effect of it. Yes. Pause to let them rebuild. And Netanyahu came out last week and said, I am not doing a ceasefire. I'm not giving time for Hamas to regroup. And here we are. He's done it. Miles, I don't have it on show notes, but one of the things you said in the lead up to today's show is the U.S. Army is asking, what about unvaxxed people? Yeah. So remember back during COVID, unless you got vaxxed, you were released from the military. I have a friend that was released from the Air Force. You're not going to get a shot? Go. He said no, and they let him go. and, And the left applauded like penguins with excitement when they got, but keeping in mind that the leftist wants to demilitarize us. So they looked at it and said, wow, you're going to reduce our military? But how many good? True. And now the left that's in command can't defend us because they sent all of those folks down the road. Miles, did you follow up on that? Are there veterans that are going back to serve? No, the problem is that recruitment has gone through the floor. Yeah. So they, they can't get anybody to join. Who wants so to, who now, wants... now they've had to reverse that policy and say, if you're unvaxxed, you are welcome back. Well, you know, the problem behind that is that, okay, so for a couple of years, you destroyed people's lives and now you want them to come back? Sure. And then, and then you got folks, the, the normal young person that's thinking about joining and they're pointing at the, I'm going to watch, watch the nasty grams I get on this, but they're pointing on the trans, pointing at the transgendered admiral and they're going, don't worry, that's got your back. Join in, go to conflict, defend us. That thing over there's got your back. And the president, as soon as he gets done picking himself up off the 15th stage that he's fallen over, he's got your back. Join. No, 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 do they, no. This isn't being called back to run a computer screen on a like coding system. Right. I'm asking you to come back as if I have your back as I send you out into a field with firearms and say, hey, you're the U.S. Army, no soldier left behind. Wait, that one's unvaxxed? We can leave him behind. Right. There's no way I can see everybody, let alone 10% of these people coming back and expecting that the Army has their back in any way. Well, one of the things this is that, life or death. It is. But one of the things that I've heard from you and from Miles and from me throughout this show, but in shows gone by, when we're looking at the government going, what's wrong? There's one key word. Miles, you and I look at some of these things opposite. We always end up at the same point in the end. Right. We can debate it for 20 years and still agree on the picture we want at the end. But when when you look at this, to me, the one word that's absent in all of this is what Lud just said, it's the word trust. Yeah. I remember during the election debacle of 2020, you said, if folks can't trust the election results, we don't have a republic anymore. I'm really right. close to a quote with that. And you're saying if a guy say, please come on back and be a soldier, we're going to send you a harm's way. You can trust us. The average person is going, yeah, no, I can't. You've been, by the way, you're the guys that have been stealing half my wages and giving them to that person over there that hates my guts. We're down to seconds, but you sent me a clip, a reel from wherever, Instagram or whatever, and it's a woman on there, and she's saying, show me a country that taxes the craziness out of their people and then gifts that money to another country. Yeah. We don't, it's hard to trust our government when you start looking at it that way. 
It just is. It's hard to. Why would you tax the bejeebers out of us and gift it to people that hate us? Five billion to what Egypt. You, what are you a moron? The answer, yeah, they're a moron. I'm just telling you, we're at it. We are at it. We are at Ronald Reagan's crossroads, folks. Listen, thank you very, very, very much for tuning in. We genuinely appreciate you. Find us at the MikeHewittShow.com, Spotify, Apple Podcast, WHTC.com. Thank you very, very much. Please be safe. I hope your Thanksgiving was very blessed.